And uh, tonight we are doing Daf Lamad Chas 38. And of course, the learning of the Daf Yemi here in the virtual Hollywood Shtibol, Leil Nishmas, Harav Yitzchak Tzvivin, Rav Chaim Yosef, and Shama Shadhaven Aliyah. The Gemara continues with various scenarios of cooking and leaving food on the fire to cook once Shabbos commences. There's always going to be two primary concerns. Number one, we're concerned about bishul cooking, but even more relevant to these few, what we've seen so far in this parakira, is Shema Yechata, the worry that the Chachamim had, that you will end up stoking the coals and trying to increase the heat to make the items that you uh, cook faster. The, that's, uh, so it's different than bishul. And that's, in fact, largely what we've dealt with. So the Gemara on the bottom of Lama Zion, on the base 37b, Bo Mineh Rebchiv asks the following question. The following question was posed to Rebchiv Arabah. Says the Gemara, top line, Lama Chesam Rav 38a, Shacha Kedera Gabikira Ubishla B'Shabbos Mahu. Friday afternoon comes, you have this type of stove that resembles like a, like a barbecue grill, but there's room to put a pot on top of the coals in it, and it has walls to contain the heat, and you left a pot cooking from before Shabbos without making a blech, without covering or removing the heat source, the coals. Mahu, what's the halacha on that food? Are you allowed to eat it? Now, really, this is not a fair question because we had a whole discussion from our Mishnah about uh, Shia, about leaving food from Arab Shabbos. And we had a machlekes every step of the way. And we said that Beishamai for sure says it's asa unless it's hot liquid. And Beishil, it's a machlekes between various opinions what Beishil will help. So what do you mean you come and ask now at this stage of the Gemara from Rukhiya Baraba as if you weren't with us for the last two blot in Dafyemi? Uh, we, this is not a simple answer. You want to know if you left food on the, on the Kedera, on the, on the Kira, on Shabbos, go back and start from the Mishnah and go through all the opinions of Beisham and Beishilol according to the lenient ones who learn that it's talking about Chazara and that Beishilol does allow it and according to Beis, or according to the more stringent ones. So uh, what are you asking? So Taisvis says, Rashi also says, according to the one that said earlier that leaving it on the Kira so we're asking now, it was forbidden. We're asking now, though, what happens if you forgot? And B'Shegeg, if it was by accident, till now we were talking about L'Chetchilo, whether you're allowed to leave it on. And we came out with two opinions. And even according to the more stringent opinion that you're not allowed L'Chetchilo to leave food from before Shabbos on an uncovered kira. However, the, the Gemara here on Lamed Chesam and Aleph, on the top of 38a's question is, what about if I did it by mistake? Tysus gives other scenarios that it's a different type of flame that we're really inquiring about. Mahu. What's the halacha? Says the Gemara, second line down. So Rabbi was not inclined to answer them. However, the next day, he got up and he darshan. Now, I don't know if he didn't answer them on the spot because he wanted time to come, compose a clear answer or because he was smart. And he said, if you give away your goods, then nobody's going to come to your shirim. What do I need to come to your shirim for? You'll just answer all the questions 
in advance. So therefore, if you want people to come to your public shiurim, you have to take all the questions that you get asked, don't give anybody any answers, and only answer them in the, in the class that you give, and then people will come to your shiurim. Perhaps that was his reasoning. And he taught as follows the next day. Third line, down, if you cooked on Shabbos, and it's a really, it's a Mishnah, it's a Tesefta, you're allowed to eat the food. But if you did it intentionally, we knas you, even though in the Torah the food would be permitted, but we do not allow you to eat it. And then he finished his shir by saying, and there's another case which is no different. So the Gemara says, we're still left with some ambiguity over here. My Veloishna, what do you mean Veloishna? There's another case, presumably our case, which you were asked upon yesterday, Veloishna, and there's no difference. What does that mean, Veloishna, there's no difference? So there was a Machlaikis now, the Gemara will give us a Machlaikis interpretation of what he meant to teach us. He meant to say, according to Rabbah and Rabbi Yosef, they said that he meant to actually tell you that you can be lenient by Shia, that by leaving it on from before Shabbos, since the whole reason why the Chacham knast you, why we were very tough if you cooked food on Shabbos uh, was um, because you did an action. You did an actual action of putting food on the fire on Shabbos. But just leaving food from before Shabbos does not constitute an action. And therefore, we can be lenient and you can eat the food even if you left it on an uncovered kira, which is, you're not allowed to do l'chatchila, but the evidence motor. In fact, Nachman by Yitzchak argued with them, and he says, uh, others are it's just Rab Nachman, but either way, it's either Rab Nachman or Rab Nachman Yitzchak or another Rab Nachman that said that, in fact, he met, uh, uh, Reb Chia Baraba meant to come and be stringent. Why? That if you put food, left food on the fire by accident from before Shabbos, you're out of luck with that food. You cannot eat it. Since there's a big difference between cooking by accident, taking uncooked food, putting it on a fire on Shabbos, which would mean you actually did an act of cooking. And if somebody did it by mistake, they did it by mistake, so we allow them to eat it. We're not afraid that they did it on purpose, but in order that Chacham shouldn't tell them you can't eat the food, they will pretend and say, oh, I did it by mistake. As Rashi says, Yidin are not choshed. We're not choshed. Uh, we don't suspect Yidin of cheating the system when it comes to cooking on Shabbos. However, when it comes to just leaving it on the, on the, on the, from before Shabbos, where it's not an actual Maisa Bishal, it's only a Dindra Bonon, it's not a Dindra Raisa. There we do have to be concerned that somebody will come to say, oh, it's, I'm allowed to eat this food, you can eat my food, I just did a Bishayging. When in fact, they really did it, the Mazid, and they were over on an Issa Dra Says the Gemara, Mase. Let us now ask a question on this halacha. Shacha Kedera from a from another uh, Tesefta. Shacha or the, the rest of that 
Tosefta. Shachach Kedera Agabe Kiro Bishla Bashabas Bishoyge Yechel Mezla Yechel. If you left a pot on top of a kira, on top of this type of oven that we've been talking about, and you cooked and in fact, it's permitted if it's b'diavad. According to this first opinion, as long as the food was fully cooked, we don't have an objection. We don't have a problem of you eating it, uh, even if it's done, even if you did, even if you left it on an uncovered fire from before Shabbos, according to Rabbi Mayer. That certainly is not in accordance with what we just were taught, Rabbi Yehuda from Rabbi Bar, Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Barachana, Rabbi Yehuda, Emacham Shoch Mukol Tarkum Mutarim Leishem Stamik Beralei. If it's liquid. So we said already, liquid, we're not afraid you're going to stoke the coals once it's heated up from before Shabbos, because the only thing that's going to happen is the fact it's going to come to get burnt, or uh, you have no interest in it cooking more. It's hot water. It's already boiled up. It's not going to get hotter. And therefore, it's, uh, in fact, uh, it's, not, it's, in fact, permissible. The tavshel shabishel kotzarka and fully cooked food, awesome, mechim samgli since you don't mind, it's not going to get damaged unless it's certain types of foods which we already had in the previous Amid. Since it's most of these topshals that are beneficial for it to remain on the fire, we're afraid you will stoke the coals. The kolam and stomach, the yafalaika, going krubu, pulu, mubasa, taraf, beans and meat, carob, aser, the kolam, sabra, alay, mutter, tani, mia. So we said that depending on the type of food will depend on what the halach is. However, either way, we learned clearly in this Mishnah, if you go in the second answer that we gave on the interpretation of Reb Chiyav So again, Reb Chiyav said that there's no difference between cooking on a kira on Shabbos and leaving food from before Shabbos. The Shia and Chazara are the same thing when it comes to Shia and Chazara are the same thing when it comes to a, an uncovered Kira on Shabbos. Now, Nachman by Yitzhak said means the same thing that it's forbidden, uh, that, that, that it's L'Chumra, that, that, uh, that, that we make it like amazing. And we don't allow you to consume it. So how could you understand in this brisa from Reb Meir and Yehuda that said clearly that if it's already cooked, it's permissible? So you could say that Reb Nachman by Yitzchak, who interpreted Reb to be stringent, was talking about after they already the Chacham came out and made an additional restriction on the kira, on this pot, this type of oven, and the Gemara will describe that gazera in a little while. Ella Rabba, Rabbi Yisuf, Amla Teira, Rabba and Rabbi Yisuf, we have difficulty understanding why they why they said that Rabbi Chibar Abba would give you lenient, more leniencies by food which is already on the fire from before Shabbos on a kira that's uncovered than actually putting the food on a kira that's uncovered on Shabbos. 
If it's before the Chacham became stringent, Kasha Mezid, then Mezid should also be permissible. Be'ila Kasha Mezid. And Rebchia, however, was stringent when it came to putting, leaving food there intentionally. Once Chacham said, we're afraid of people playing games, more so by leaving foods on top of a kira, which is uncovered, than cooking foods, so then Rabbi and Rabbi Yisuf, we don't understand why they were lenient by Shegeg. Chacham never made an exception that if you were to, by mistake, if you were to tell us that it was by accident that you left the food on top of this uncovered flame on Shabbos, we would allow you to eat it. We never saw such a distinction. Kasha. So in fact, we do not have a comprehensible way of explaining according to the bright, the Tosefta of Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda that teach us that it's mutter as long as the food was fully cooked. If you did it for Shoigeg, we don't have a way of understanding Reb Chiba Abba according to the interpretation of Reb uh, Rabba and Reb Yasef. Rather, at this point, we have to go with the Pshat that we said of Reb Nachman by Yitzchak, that in fact, we answered, we were stringent when it came to Shia and Achad uh, Xerah, and even if you did it for Shagik, that means you had an uncovered flame. It's not your fault. You forgot to put the blech on, and you left food that was cooked, but on an uncovered flame, and it was cooking like that into Shabbos. According to this opinion, according to the Awa Gemara, you would not be able to eat that food. So if you had, uh, depending on the type of food, you would need, you absolutely need to have a blech in order to do Shia. Says the Gemara, my Zerasa. The Gemara, we talked about this, that we said that Chazal were more stringent that when it came to uh, more stringent by Shia than by Bishal, what is that Gezerah? When was that instituted and how was it instituted? About two-thirds of the way down on Tesamid Aleph. Before the Chachamim got strict, the only thing that we knew was that if somebody intentionally cooked food on Shabbos, which was raw from before the onset of Shabbos, we did not allow them to, we did not allow them to eat that food. And if somebody forgot to take the, to put a blech and they left food on the fire, we said that's uh, that's a shaygeg. That's uh, somebody that that would be permissible, um, as Rashi points out. If you did b'meiz it, if you knew that you needed to put a blach and you knew what time Shabbos started, and you still went and didn't do anything about it, of course, even before the gezerah, we forbade you from eating it. But if you in- unintentionally didn't cover the fire, you were able to eat the food. It's a little bit hard for me to understand this, but at the end of the day, a lot of people were doing this on purpose. They were not using a blech and they were not covering the flames or the fire or the controls. And I don't know exactly who's snooping around their kitchen. You know, was it that the the hashkacha Perhaps they had mashkichim going around to everybody's houses. 
or maybe we're referring to the bakers themselves, where many people put their food by the bakers' ovens on Shabbos, or people would invite over guests, and the guests would say, I, I, if you want me to eat your food, I need to be reassured that it was cooked in accordance with Orthodox laws, and, the per, and I don't see that you, your flame is covered, so how do you have food cooking on uncovered flames on Shabbos? And they would say, you know, we forgot this week to put a black. And when that started happening, that everybody was forgetting to cover those flames, Chacham said, guess what? Even if you forget, we're going to forbid people from eating the food. And that was the gzera. Once this gzera came into place, so then we understand what, what Rav Chibar answered them, Loishna, that it's the same as Bishol. And when he said Loishna, it's the same as Bishol. Rav Nachman said the same as Bishol, but amazing that we treat it very stringently, even though you only did it b'shaygit. The Gemara now comes back to this opinion we just cited a little earlier in our quest to bring a Tosefta contrary to Rabbah and Reb, Rabbah and Reb, Reb uh, so, uh, so Rabbah and Reb Yasef. So we brought another part of the Tesefta, which taught us another Machlekes, Reb, Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda. And that, in fact, is a contradiction to the Rebbe Meir and Reb Yehuda that we just had a blot ago, where they argued about what the Machlekes Beshama and Beshila was. So this is going to be a little bit complicated, but we are going to get it. Says the Gemara as follows. Kashid Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Meir, Kashid Rebbe Yehuda, Rebbe Yehuda. Rabbi Meir just contradicted himself a few lines up from what he taught us a blot ago, as did Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir, ah, so what are the two contradictions? So Rashi, if you look almost parallel slightly up from where we are on the right-hand margin, Kosher to Rabbi Meir, to Rabbi Meir. It's not La'el Bresh Pirkin, Rabbi Meir, leave the base of and have a light tavshil. We said that even tavshil, which is fully cooked, which is, you're not allowed to put back on the fire, according to Rabbi Meir. And here we said, as long as it's fully cooked, you're allowed to put it on the kira. So that's a contradiction to Rabbi Meir's opinion earlier on. As Rabbi Meir over here said, if you look exactly how many lines up, it's, it's actually quite a bunch, but it's probably about 15 to 20 lines up. Uh, Rabbi Meir, we said, Rabbi Meir said that food, even if it's bemazed, that was intentionally left on the Kedera, on the Kira, on Shabbos, and it cooked, is permissible to eat. And according to Rabbi Meir, much uh, a lot earlier, Rabbi Meir said only in Beis Hillel, only by chamen, by water, by liquid, where it's not, no benefit for it to remain on the fire, as it won't cook additionally. Because, that's the contradiction, Rabbi Meir. And where's the contradiction in Rabbi Yehuda's opinion? Rabbi Yehuda says Rashi, back on the right-hand margin, slightly above where we are in the Gemara. The Hasim Amr Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda there was more machmer that included chamin in the prohibition of leaving it on a kira on Shabbos. And here, uh, and here he omits the mention of tavshel. 
It could be that the Tosefta meant to say it, but it doesn't say it, and he left out Tavshel in, in, the, in the decree. Says the Gemara, do Rabbi Meir, do Rabbi Meir like Kasha? We're going to answer up all the contradictions as follows. This that Reb Meir was stringent about putting food on the kira before, uh, uh, intentionally that you can eat the food, it still meant lechatchila. But with the Ebed, you would be permitted to, uh, to eat the food. And he never meant to permit the food in a manner where you knew that it would be forbidden. Um, it, it's a little difficult. I, I think it is a doichik because the Gemara, there's no, there's no hint in Rabbi, at the moment, there's no hint in Rabbi Meir's language. There's no hint of uh, that, that, that it's B'dievet uh, uh, here to eat it. So that's always, uh, I don't know, it's always a B'dievet. Well, uh, uh, the Gemara's answer to say that a mayor here was only allowing you to eat the food after the fact is not so is not so clear cut from the wording of Rabbi Mayor. That's my own And this day you had a problem that Rabbi Huda in this latter part of the Tosefta does not mention does not mention Tavshol uh, some stomach food. He only talks about the Chaman earlier, and here he talks about the food as well. This that we said that you can even leave food on is talking about where it's covered or the coals have been removed, that there's not as much, there's no concern that you're going to rake it. And therefore, Rabbi Huda was lenient. But over here, we're talking about where the coals were there, where there was a concern that you'll come to stoke the fire. And therefore, Rabbi Huda was more stringent when it came to food. Again, it's also, there's no mention in after that we're talking about Gaurav Katam. When our Mishnah on Daflam and Babam Beis, not Rabbi Hud and Rameh, but our Mishnah, right away we start talking about if it's Gaurav Katam, if it's not Gaurav Katam. And all of a sudden now we're making distinctions in Rabbi Hud's opinion that where is Rabbi Hud saying that you cannot leave food on the fire on Shabbos? That whole opinion that he stated earlier in the Machlaikas, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda was only talking about. If it was uh, uh, if it was uh, so uh, okay. But either way, we're. It seems like you still Yehuda still has to teach me his opinion that even where there's flame, the coals are removed, they're covered with sand. We're still worried that. Uh, forget Yehuda says you can eat food. You can allow food to be. That food which is no incentive for it to cook more, you can't allow it to stay on the fire on Shabbos. Why that's a chiddush, I'm not 100% sure, but that's the Gemara's terrors. Iboy lehu, says the Gemara, uh, 10, 11 lines from the bottom, Lam Chesem We ask the following question. Oiver v'shah, whichever opinion you're going to pick, and whichever linear, uh, halacha you're going to follow, we know that there's certainly going to be foods where there's an iser shia. If it's not garfakatum, if there's a valid worry that you're going to stoke the coals, according to Rabbi Yehuda, 
even if the food is fully cooked, or according to Rabbi Meir, according to Beis Hillel, to put food back on, to, to, to food uh, which is not, food which is, you do have an interest in stoking the coals. At the end of the day, whichever opinion you're going to follow, was there also an element of knas here? That even if somebody didn't stoke the coals, but being that they put themselves in a position where they have an incentive to stoke the coals and they did not close out the fire, is the food forbidden to eat or not? Um, the Gemara says, we can bring you, you know, proof, a story is always better than just telling me a Mishnah. But we can actually tell you that uh, Rabbi Yaisi went to Tsipari and there was water and eggs which were cooked on, cooking on the Kira. And he allowed the hot water that was on the Kira. The eggs, which were also cooking there, he forbids. So we see clearly that he was lenient when it came to uh, the water, to hot water, which it's, there's no incentive to rake the coals to increase the heat since it's already cooked. But if it's something like the eggs, he, he, actually, uh, he actually forbade them. So we see that he was machmir. My love, the oyster Shabbos. But was it only... Uh, and even that, uh, those eggs for that Shabbos, and we're assuming they didn't have, not like today where people have tons of extra food. If they cooked that, those eggs for Shabbos, they may not have had other courses to serve. They were relying on those eggs. My love, the Oisi Shabbos, and that he forbade them from eating it even on that Shabbos. Says the Gemara, the Shabbos He taught them for the future that they can't do that. Uh, Again, Rashi explains all parallel to this. My love, the Shabbos, on the right-hand margin. He didn't let them eat those eggs because they did not clear out the coals. So the way the Gemara answers up, it turns out you have, in fact, a positive proof from the story that happened with Rabbi with Rabbi and Tzipari, that if there was food that was prepared for that Shabbos, and that's what you have to eat. And it was left on a flame that was uncovered and it cooked. And even though you have, it's food which you are interested in it co- cooking properly, you are allowed to eat it that Shabbos. The Amar Reb Chama Barchani, says the Gemara, let's analyze that story a little bit more. Debates Mitzumakos, Mitzumakos, that cooked eggs are in fact you you have an interest. You don't mind them to become more and more cooked. Uh, some people there's actually a hard boiled egg. It's a great chachma. It's a precise science not to overcook it. There's tricks how to do it that it doesn't even turn a drop gray. That's that's beyond the area of my expertise. But I know it's done. Uh, there, there there's a methodology to it. And yet here we're saying that when you cook the eggs, it's in fact a positive thing. There's more in. The Gemara brings the story that Rabbi Chama said, I was together with Rebbe, 
and they served us uh, uh, very well cooked eggs during the week. It was cooked uh, like a zraden, um I guess it was uh, it, it was already a mush uh, like these uh, like these zraden, and we ate a lot of it. So that's a proof that it's food that I do like it to be cooked well on the fire and I have an interest in leaving it on the fire. I may even come to stoke the fire. I may even come to stoke the fire. And yet, and yet, we allowed B'dieved, Reb Yossi and Sipari allowed us to eat those eggs. That's a proof that B'dieved, even if you were Shoya, you did Shia on a Kira, which there's a problem of the unexposed flames, you're still allowed to eat it on that Shabbos. But for future use, don't do it. Beis Hillelim says the Gemara about the two dots, second line from the bottom. Beis Hillelim af So now we're going back to our Mishnah. And our Mishnah, um, we're going back to our Mishnah, the end of our Mishnah on Lamed Vavam days. And we said, Shammai said, you can never put food back on a fire. And Basil said, no, you can put back. So what are the conditions? Barry already uh, hinted that this is going to be, already hopped on, that this is going to be the source for our practical Allah of Chazara. Now the Gemara is going to address it in a more uh, familiar manner to us with more conditions that we know do exist here. Says the Gemara, the last line. Amr of Sheshis. According to the opinion that we're saying that you can put food back on the fire on Shabbos. Even once Shabbos has already begun, you can put food back on. Even Shabbos day. And as well, this is not just one opinion, but this is even according to the opinion of Rav Aishia, that you can put it back even on Shabbos. Um, Rashi explicitly says on the top line, the next day, so we're talking about you took it off before Shabbos perhaps, or even Friday night, and you returned it later. Um, The which is a big chiddush. Taisus is not so happy that with that, uh, according to all explanations. Okay, says the Gemara. The Amr of Aisha, second line down. Pamachas ayinu endin la'elim rebchia rabba ve'alan lo'ikumka shalchamen mediyuta tachtoyin mediyuta hal yaina. We were once by rebchia in his attic. We already had many beautiful Gemaras about things that go on in the attics of Tamidei Chachamim, important Shilas, that's where they went, that's where they self-quarantined away from all the people knocking on the doors, and they were able to concentrate on the important things. So to think that mistakes were made there is hard to believe. It's a good proof. Whatever actions took place on Shabbos involving the attic, they were, they were that was their private base medrash. And so we were there in the attic, and they brought upstairs from downstairs hot water. The they mixed the water, they mixed the hot water and wine, and they returned the water downstairs to the kira to the fire 
And he didn't stop us. Now, to be honest, he didn't know where they went. How do we know that he knew that they brought it back down and put it back on the fire? Um, not sure. Okay. The only thing I could think of is that he knew his needs. He understood what went on in his household. Says the Gemara, Amrav Abba Amrav Tadoi, so Zrika said in the name of Abba, said this is how Rav Tadai understood the halacha. They brought up the pot cord and brought it back down. The whole time it didn't leave the grip, the hand of the person serving him the hot water. But once you put it down on the floor, that's already like you have no, you canceled your intention to return it, and that would be a problem. Ami taught us that today, in fact, taught us slightly. Ami, today was in fact a more machmir, and that he was doing on his own accord, and a person has the right to be more stringent for themselves. Now, Rav Chia, however, uh, in fact, taught us, even if you were to put it down on the ground, not on the counter, not in a storage place, but in the ground where it doesn't stay for a long time, that would be considered like you still have intention to put it back and you would still be allowed to put it back on the fire. Says the Gemara, uh, 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 the Gemara says, in fact, this was a machloikis between uh, Rav Dimi and Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. What Rabbi Lazar had taught them. And one t- said that even on the ground is permitted, and the other one held to be more stringent, like we learned from Rav Tadai, that you, only if it's in your hand. And this is, of course, an important practical piece of the puzzle, that even when it's in your hand, you have to have in mind that you're going to be using, putting this hot water back on the fire. However, if you, it's, if you had intention to leave it off the fire, you can't change your mind afterwards to put it back on the fire. The fact that they didn't mention anything about if it's on the ground, only that it has to be in your hand, shows you that if it's not in your hand, even if you had das to return it to the fire, putting it on the ground is considered a break in the cooking process that you cannot correct afterwards. Says the Gemara, Amri, another version of The other way they taught Chizkiah's lesson was actually to the contrary. And the whole reason why the ground, if you put the pot of hot water down on the floor, it's a problem to put it back, is because that means you no longer intend to put it back once you put it on the floor. But if you never gave up and the whole time you had in mind that even though you're putting it down on the floor, you're going to be putting it back in, on the path, it would be permitted. Now that we have the question, the possibility, according to this interpretation of Hiskia, 
that even if I didn't hold it the whole time in my hand directly, but rather I had in mind to put it back and I put it in a place where it cannot stay there permanently. Nobody leaves their pots of hot water on the ground. What about other scenarios that fit into that category? Mahu, uh, can I hang it from a stick? Can I put it on a bed or on a couch? They asked, Ravashi, uh, another question. What about if I take it off of one flame and it would be in, intent to put it back on a different flame? Is that any different than what we said that you're allowed to put it back on the same flame you took it off as long as you had in mind to return it the whole time and as long as you didn't put it down? But what's the difference, the original flame or a different flame, assuming that the food is fully cooked, which is one of the conditions? Teku. So as the Gemara right before the Mishnah, Tishbi, Tats, Kushis, Ubais, we do not know the answer to that, but Mashiach will come and Eliyahu Anavi will give us that answer right away. That should happen very, very soon. And from our Gemara, just to conclude, this is not a halacha share. Obviously, Rabbi Shrek, uh, I'm sure, either has given on this topic or will give on this topic. Um, but uh, just to, we know there's five conditions, if I'm not mistaken, there's five conditions in returning things to the fire on Shabbos. And we really had all five conditions in our Gemara. Number one, that the flame must be covered. That's the whole Gara for Katan, that there's no easy Shemi Yechata that you won't come to stir the flame. Number two, that you have in mind to return it. Number three, not just that you had in mind, that you didn't put it down in a permanent manner, meaning it was the whole time in your hand, or some say even if you put it on the floor, like we just got finished through the discussion. And number four is that it's an item which is fully cooked. Number four is that it's an item which is fully cooked, and number five, that it's an item that does not have any benefit to going back to getting cooked more. If I'm not mistaken, that's the fifth scenario, unless I'm mixing it up. But we have all those conditions, the type of food, the type of flame, the, uh, and the covering that's necessary for it, the das, and the place where it's been since you took it off the fire, and whether you have an extra interest in, putting, in uh, being cooked more if it's not cooked enough. So we really do have all the halachic lemaisa on putting things back from our Gemara as well. Now, till now we're talking about a kior. A kior, we said, is a pot-like item with room for coals on the bottom and the food goes in with it. But there's other types of ovens as well, which will each one will have its own halacha. Uh, says the Mishnah. Tanosh yitzikur bakash uh, tanor. Now, why, how is a tanor different than a kira? Because a tanor is a, more like our ovens. It's uh, wide at the bottom and narrow on the top. Well, it's actually not like our ovens, but it's more of a funnel shape. And it seems to be that it gets hotter or it stays hotter than, uh, than a kira. So, you cannot put anything, uh, it was lit with straw or with stubble. You cannot put things inside uh, as it gets much hotter. 
or on top. Kupach, another type of oven. So Rashi explains a kupach or koipach. Uh, it's in a way very similar to akira, but it has a different dimension as though the width and the height are the equal. Um, and it's smaller as well. There's only room for one pot. So kupach shares the kira v'kashu v'bareza kikirayim begefu tebeetzim kikirayim. So if, it's, if the fuel is straw and this uh, stubble that you leave over in the field, so then it has the same halachic status as a kira and with the same leniencies, which, right, we said that the kira, the, the kira, the kira we have conditions that you're allowed to put things or leave things on if it's bar pakatim, et cetera, if it's fully cooked. The gefes who him, but if you use this fuel, would so then you have to treat it like a tanner, which we said that uh, you can't put any food on it at all. Says the Gemara, the tanner, the words of the Mishnah were tanner, the oven, that were kindled, right? Siku uh, means kupach is which one? I'm sorry, kupach is the second type of oven, which is more lenient than a tanner if the fuel source is from straw, but if the fuel source is wood, then it has the same status of tanor, which is actually more stringent because it holds in the heat uh, stronger than so the, the hybrid. It could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Depending on the heat source, like you said. It is, Rashi says it is really a... Uh, I mean, the Gemara is going to explain better, but it is really like a kira, but it's uh, it's smaller. Once something is a different dimension, so it does have different effects on the heat that goes in, on the on the how it controls the heat, and it will change the status for Hilchus shops because it's more closed in, so there's more heat inside. I, I, yeah, I, I I don't it that sounds right. I, I don't know the physics. But uh, it sounds right. The question is why it had a different name. It's the same as a Kira, just a smaller dimension. You know, you can have big ovens and little ovens. So then just say it's a Kira cotton, which is effectively what it is. So that's, you know. Same, you know. Now, I'm sure with now they. The other one is the square. They're given the explanation that the Kira was a rectangle. The uh, second one was like a triangle going up. And then the kupach was like a perfect square. So perfect square oh, right, right, was yeah. hotter than the rectangle because it's okay. smaller. Okay, it's and one fits one it. pot, the other one fits two pots. I hear. So it's, it, 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 and what causes it to be different in terms of the heat, the shape or the size? The size and shape size make and it hotter than the kira. So it's sort of in the middle. Okay, right. That's a, that's what Barry said. It's a hybrid. Right. Okay. Okay. Says the Gemara. So we said that the oven, which was lit with straw, you have to be very machner. You cannot even put food on top or inside. Guess what Rabbi Yisuf thought? Rabbi Yisuf thought that it meant what it said. That inside means inside, and on top means on top. 
But back to the case where you want to just put food next to it, leaning on it. It's not really on top, but it's next to it. That we didn't mention the Mishnah, and therefore it seems like it would be mutter. Um, and we already were familiar with this attempt at understanding the Saimach to put food next to the brick. Shabadami. Look, uh, my wife's grandfather, I remember him telling us that uh, he remembers in, back in, uh, in Europe that uh, they, when it was very cold, they slept in the kitchen with the brick oven or brick fireplace or something. And the bricks, would, they would put the blanket over part of the brick and that would provide heat for all of them. And they weren't obviously on top of the fire, but they were next to the wall of the fire and those bricks heated up, the, you know, gave them heat to sleep. So there's enough heat there to cook as well, but not enough that it should be a problem for Shabbos. Abaye, Abaye said, I'll find you a contradiction, Rabbi Yisav, I'm not going to accept that. Depending on the type of fuel, he said it's a hybrid. In some ways, it's for, you're forbidden to cook like a tanner. In some ways, you're forbidden to cook like a, like a, you're permitted to cook like a kira. The Maya skin. What exactly were we say? Were we talking about? If you're telling me this new type of oven, this kupach, that we said you cannot put items on top, and we're talking about where it was actually covered. What's the chiddush there? By Kiro, also we said that if it's uh, that that it's uh, that it's for, that it's forbidden. It must be that it's, the Mishnah here is coming to permit smicha. And in fact, it doesn't permit it. It says it's forbidden. Directly opposite of the ruling of Rabbi Yisif. In fact, we are talking about where it was uh, cleaned out and it was, uh, and it what were the cold, it was covered. And we're talking about asking, when did we say that it's like a tanner? We said that even though it's covered, which we or the coals are removed, we said that on a kira we explained in the Mishnah earlier that it would be permitted on a tanor, which gets heat different ways. It's more stringent. So this that we said that a kupach is like a tanor, as Taka talking about, not next to it. Next to it could be as permitted, like Rabbi Yisuf wanted to say. And, uh, and, and yet, on top of it would be forbidden like a tanur and not like a kira, even though it is like a kira. But I guess since it does have a higher heat, therefore we said that even when it's guard for katam, you cannot uh, put things on top. Says the Gemara, let's see who's right. Abaye, that smicha is aser. Or like Rabbi Yisif, that smicha is mutter. 
And you can say that Abaye, first wide line, Lamb of Chasm Bays, we brought a price to the proof of Abaye, right? Tanner says the proof of Kashim, Kvara, ain't same from a vein circle, Mal Gabo, vein circle, Melitoycha, vein circle, and Begavitu Beatsim. We have a Bryce which actually spells out very clearly what we want, we're asking the whole time. We spend eight lines asking these questions of our Mishnah, when in fact there's a Bryce that spells it out very clearly. It says when it comes to a towner that's ignited with straw, you can't even put anything next to it because it's considered like cooking mamish and kolshke and everything else is also. The ain't a kupach, however, the kupach, shesikul, the kashav, vava, saimchalai, they know it's not gaba, but gavs beets, I mean, saimchalai. And kupach, which we said is a hybrid, in fact, will be muttered to be saimch if you lit it with straw in accordance. With the but if you litter with gefes or and if you litter with wood, which we said in our Mishnah, Hareu Kitanur, and Rabbi Yisus said, but to put next to it is mutter. In fact, the Brisa says like Abaye that even to be Saimachit, it's like a tanur. Gemara wanted more clarification on our case of kupach. Again, if you're telling me that it's just a different shape, it's slightly different than a kira, but it's more like a kira than anything else. It should be permitted like a kira. We shouldn't give it some, we shouldn't change the halacha based on the type of fuel, but rather it should have the same status as like a kira, and you should be able to put things next to it no matter what. But if you tell me that it's according to the opinion of Abaye, you're not allowed to put anything next to it just like a tanner, then it doesn't matter what type of fuel you should make it like a tanner and not let you put foods to warm up next to it either, says the Gemara. Exactly the word that we use. It's a hybrid. It has more smoke than a kira. So it can't be as lenient as a kira, but it is less. It's not the same full heat as a tanur. The Gemara now says, give us a physical description of the two of the kira and the kupach. Kupach makan species kadeira achas. Kira makan species First, the Gemara Rebbeis Bechanina says they really are a kupach and a kira, are really the same types of ovens. The only difference is one can fit two pots and one can fit one. As a result, if you imagine what happens when you double a square, but not necessarily in complete, if you would, how can you, you can't double a square, right? Because if you double the square, it's going to be a rectangle. And if you want it to be, a, 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 a full double, it's going to end up being a, it's, it's going to be either a rectangle or it's going to be four times. It's going to be able to hold four pots. But let's say a square that's a foot by a foot. So if it's two feet by two feet, you can now hold four pots in it. The only way to double a square is to make a rectangle. Am I right on that? If you have a 12 inch square, which can hold one pot, so if I want to make a two, a 24 inch square, it, that will end up being a rectangle. 
two 12 by 12s? No, two 12 by 12s is a 12, 12 inches by 12 inches is 144 square inches. Now, I want to have 288 square inches. Yeah, so, two 12 by 12s. Yeah, but it's going to end up being 24 by 12, but it's, it's, it's 144 plus 144. Huh? 24 by 24 will not be a square. No, not 24 by 24. 12 okay. by 24. All right, I want to finish this, but I, I think it'll work out that you can't, it'll end up being a precisely double the amount two, of. Two 12 by 12s is a 12 by 24. If you're talking about doubling, like in folding, then yes, you're right. It's, it would wind up being like a rectangle. But if you're talking about doubling, by doubling the dimensions equally, it'll be like mm -hmm. Barry says, it'll still be a square. Right. So I think the Gemara said that the smallest measurement of doubling will end up a rectangle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We learned this in a price. Uh, Kira, which was split down the middle lengthwise, is tahar because it's considered a new two new vessels. Okay, uh, right? 12 by 12s. That's a rectangle. You're holding up a rectangle. Yes. Now, this is this Mishnah. Split them apart, it's tahar because you have two separate ovens. But if you split them widthwise, then Tamea because you never broke right. Kupach, it's considered to be uh, smaller, and therefore, even if you broke it widthwise, you still don't have a complete Kira and it's Tame. Says Mishnah, let's try and patch this Mishnah in. A noisen beta you cannot put a an egg next to the hot water, uh, next to a, a, a flame, a raw, urn, a raw egg next to a urn on Shabbos, the shvilshit is galgo, in order that it should get uh, cooked properly or slightly, and you cannot cover it with uh, wrappings that will allow it to get heated up more, and the Gemara will elaborate on that. Rabbi Yossi Mater. Now we're really launching into Hatmana, and Rabbi Yossi says that's not a problem. You're not allowed to do Hatmana. You're not allowed to wrap things up in order that they should cook better on Shabbos. With dust on the roads, in order that it should roast. The mission is even Machmir that you're not allowed to cover things entirely on Shabbos in a way that it'll insulate them and create more heat. Maisa Shasu Anshi Tveria, famous, famous story, what they used to do in Tveria. They had a pipe that would bring um, uh, water through a hot spring, and that would heat up the cold water on Shabbos. Amru Lahem Chachamim in Beshabbos, Kechamim Shahokhmu Beshabbos, Surin Berchitsu Beshtia. On Shabbos, that's water is forbidden to use for cooking or for for drinking or for washing. In Yamtif, when you're allowed to cook, Yamtif, you're allowed to drink it, but you're not allowed to use it for washing. Iboiluhu, Gilgomais. And Marcy, this day you said you can't place an egg 
next to the hot water urn, what are we talking about? It's bishol to the nth degree that it's even your chayev achatos. If you put an egg there and it ends up uh, and it ends up cooking. We learned that in the as well. Except for items which are easy to cook, as we'll explain tomorrow. In those cases, you could be chayav achatas very easily. Yashakayach.